0: To I Saw It on Linden Street, the show dedicated to the joy of finding an appreciation in cult films, exploitation oddities, beloved classics, and all points in between. I'm your host, Chris Roberts, inviting you to join us here at the Linden Street Cinema Experience Theater as we once again dig up a fun cinematic relic from the past. If you're new to the show, thank you for joining us. This isn't your standard film review. Rather, this is a synopsis of a film that deserves to have another inspection. With a little bit of background on the actors, maybe some trivia on our director, and perhaps, if I'm doing my job right, a half-amusing story or two. Fair be warned, while we don't cover all aspects of plot, we do discuss spoilers and endings. So, if you want to be surprised... Please stop this right now. Go give the film a viewing before you listen to us. If you like us, and I would hope that you do, please recommend the podcast to a friend. Give us a favorable review. Summer keeps rolling on, and this month's theme continues to boldly make the statement, You're the Puppet. It's our covering of a batch of weird films that all hinge on the use of some amazing puppetry. This week, we will be featuring Peter Jackson's 1989 Dirty Muppet Show knockoff musical comedy, Meet the Feebles. Join us! I have to admit, in my undergrad days, and this didn't happen often, I would finish showing a movie and then be forced to angrily clear the room when invariably the crowd turned against me, the host, mocking the film and or then criticizing me for showing it. Now, even then, I was a diplomat at heart. I would start out with the very logical first step of yelling at them to get out of the room. If that invariably would fail, I would go to my backup argument of announcing that they needed to go fuck themselves. I admit, I had a way with words. Again, this didn't happen often, but I at least have to cop to the fact it did happen. However, there were those golden rare few times that I accomplished what comedians refer to as walking the room. And that's where I would show a film that was so hated and so reviled by the people I was showing it to that I would get the entire room to leave. I managed to clear college dorm rooms, and I mean in the later years when we had pizza and beer and people would still leave. I know, you're impressed, and I assure you, I'm not that much better than you. I would just simply stand my ground and say, I'm watching this, if you don't like it, leave. And you'd hear footsteps, and they would go. It was pretty impressive. Who turns down pizza and beer, I say? This episode covers what I can only claim is a split decision in one of these rare cases. Uh, Out of the ten people who were in attendance, half ended up leaving, and out of those who remained, three did not like it, and the other two were in my corner of not hating it. They have families, and they need to be respectable citizens, and I don't begrudge them for not completely going to bat for me, but I do appreciate their tacit support. (sighs) Such is the burden of being a film enthusiast. So, if you don't know it already based on what you've seen coming out of my mouth previously, I'm a Muppet man. Or I'm a very manly Muppet. And I come from a long line of Muppet fans. I'm actively trying to get the next generation of my family interested in them. Back in 2002, I was having a conversation with my boss at the time about this love of Muppets, and he asked me a very simple question. Oh, really? You like the Muppets? Hey, have you ever seen Meet the Feebles? No, I answered. Well, you you definitely should. It's like the Muppet Show, but it's filthy and it's for adults and he was not kidding. I went and immediately walked to our local mom-and-pop video store, and I rented their copy of Meet the Feebles. And dig this! It was done by one Mr. Peter Jackson, who at the time was known for his splatter horror comedies of the day, at least back when he made those films, and he was not yet the giant recognizable director that came from New Zealand as the genius behind the Lord of the Rings trilogy he was just this small-time director who apparently lucked out big. (laughs) you don't say, well, hell, I'm down for some strange films, let's sign us all up. Hey, I got it, why don't I order some pizzas, I'll invite a bunch of people on the floor that I live, and I'll hold a screening hosted by one half of the Colby Four Film Commission. We're gonna get this done right. It was here that I made my classical tactical mistake. I did not take into account who my audience was. You see, my boss and I at the time, we shared cinematic sensibilities. Weird, wild, disturbing, funny, we jived on it all. When he told me I would like this film, I truly believed him. The problem, or at least the problem from what I did do, was I invited a bunch of people to come and see a film that I had yet to see for myself. It was a hard mistake a colossal mistake. It's a you're-gonna-get-side-eye-for-the-rest-of-the-semester mistake from these people. And this, unfortunately, happened to me for years. And I have, at least I can say I feel I have, gotten better with this. But you see, movies to me, they're just such a wonderful communal thing. There's something to be shared, to be spread around, joy is to be had with them, and conversations are to be had about them. But, in my semi-on-the-spectrum way, I have this horrible tendency to go on autopilot when I talk to people about introducing or discussing my love of film with others. I have since taken great strides to attempt to curb it. I hear you saying out there, Chris, why, why curb it? Well, because I turn into fucking Lenny from Mice and Men when I get to find out that other people even remotely share my sensibilities. Here, here, I'll give you an example. Um, like, here is a conversation between me and some unsuspecting person. Say, have you ever seen Michael Crichton's early film Looker with Albert Finney? It's this rather prescient, rare meditation on the use of targeted marketing and how corporations manipulate the populace into purchasing consumer goods. Oh, I, I think I have seen that, yeah! That's got the guy, he played Daddy Warbucks in Annie, right? I have seen that film, that's a very good film! You wanna be a friend? Look, all I'm saying is, you need to keep me away from bunnies. Seriously, I have done this more times than I would ever care to admit, where I have made people who don't know me think I am out of my mind time and time again. And it's only through the hard lessons and these various awkward occurrences that I have been able to reel in my impulses, hide behind a thin veneer, and I mean the thinnest veneer, of sanity and maturity. And unfortunately, the latter gets easier each year, helped by gray hair. I am now hyper-concerned and focused on not offending anybody who comes to the LSCE as a guest, and if we're having a screening, I strive to pick something that works for everybody in attendance. That being said, still every now and then, especially during pub trivia, where I've had a drink or two, my inner Lenny comes to fore, and I regress back into on-the-spectrum Chris, and I start to wax on about things that I think people should have seen, and that's where I start to get in trouble. So all that being said, let's get back to 2002. So, pizzas were ordered, seating in the dorm was acquired, and the mistake of a feature was placed into the communal VCR, and Meet the Feebles began to roll. Now, in my albeit flimsy defense, it is not like I invited a group of nuns into my room and screened the latest sequel of Debbie Does Dallas. But... I absolutely blindsided these poor guests, and I blindsided myself with some bizarre, offensive, violent, sophomoric, funny footage. You see, for starters, you have to enjoy being in on the joke. And this joke came with references and parodies of the Deer Hunter meets the Muppets meets failed vaudeville. So what can you do? three of us in attendance we were in on that joke we had seen these various things we knew what was being parodied and we knew how to understandably appreciate the spoof and we laughed the rest stared, slack-jawed, in horror during puppet sex, drug use, and violence. To this day, I can still turn to my friend Liz with confidence and say, you're a loose Lache Lucille, and she will crack up and say it back to me, clearly both affected by the same sensibilities, all of which were lost upon my former college mates. Is it their loss? Totally. But It's hard to argue finer points of lowbrow satire when you have an angry mob of dorm rats yelling at you. So, how did all this mess come together in the first place? Well, Hot off of his success, and I mean just the success of getting his film Bad Taste completed in 1987, after four years of part-time filming, Peter Jackson was looking for another project. And someone had floated to him, hey, why not try some dirty puppetry? Sounds like a winner to me. The Feebles was originally intended to be more like its own Muppet Show parody, being an actual TV show that would run week to week. but The production um, started to lose money, and with an infusion of cash from Japanese investors, they proposed the project get expanded. They wanted probably to get more bang for their buck, in all honesty. And with that suggestion, the project then became a film. Already over budget and in need of foreign investor cash, Jackson retooled what he had and turned it into a full-length feature. The end result subpar. It looks like it was thrown together on the cheap. Low budget sets, you got grainy film stock, but underneath it all, it's clear that the people involved were very into it. The puppetry is decent, even with the cheap effects, and the performers truly do give it their all. But enough of my yakking around and about it, why don't we just cut to the trailer? Roll it.
1: Did you bring it here? It's not mine. You know it's not. We'll let the court decide then. Shall we? From <coughs> the garden, garden of love. Nick the Feebles turns the cabbage patch into the killing
2: It's contagious. It's the
1: big one, Harry. No, it can't be. i think precautions. Corruption. Barry, do me a line. Lust. Feeling shy. Are you bled? Right. Romance. From the director of bad taste. Yippee! you
2: realize you were sitting on its face? Well,
1: no, I felt a bit uncomfortable, but I thought it was my hemorrhoid. Please, God. I know I've been a <coughs> bad bunny, but if you Nothing make me well again... Nothing is You're sacred.
2: Not... Meet the Feebles! Oh, no. Meet the Feebles! Oh, people meet the Feebles! Meet the Feebles is
1: about to be released. Are
2: you? Have you
1: ever noticed the beautiful lighting in this toilet?
0: We start off being introduced to our theater company, the famous Feeble Variety Show, which back in the day was truly beloved, but the performers and the theater have seen better days. All of this is about to change, because you see, there's a television deal in the works. If their one-time Feeble Variety Hour is indeed a success, they will get picked up by the network and they will again get to entertain for a new generation of viewers
1: ladies and gentlemen your attention please welcome to the newest the greatest the most spectacular show in entertainment history put your hands together for the fabulous feebles variety hour
0: of this could possibly happen if the high maintenance and overweight star Heidi the hippo can get her head on straight to be fair to Heidi she has a lot on her mind she ended up walking in on her boyfriend the theater owner and show producer Bletch the walrus finding him in fragrant delecti with Samantha a Siamese cat chorus girl y- yeah you heard me strap in this is gonna get weird While Heidi is thrown into a state of depression and overeating, we get to share the day-to-day experience of some of the other Feebles cast members, and those include the following. Harry the Hare. He's the promiscuous Feeble MC, who starts to feel sick before the big show and then panics, believing he has contracted AIDS. Robert the Hedgehog, a well-meeting new hire who is instantly smitten by a chorus girl, Poodle Lucille. They also become engaged the same day. He's considered a nuisance and a patsy to just about everybody he meets. And Wynyard the Frog, the heroin-addicted Vietnam vet who is the show's knife-thrower. He also represses his PTSD and flashbacks by way of heavy drug use. He's a true parody of Jim Ignatowski from Taxi if he had a Christopher Walken deer hunter experience and had time being a POW. He is a disturbing introduction with the young Robert, and he does manage to squeeze $50 out of the young man to help go towards a veteran's cash injection.
1: Have you got the stuff? I'm hanging out, man. I'll get you the money tomorrow. I promise. Hello. My name's Robert. Are you the new supplier? No. I've been sent by the director to assist you in your knife throwing routine. Oh, shit. I was wondering if you would like to practice. Oh, no. I don't know, man. I really don't know. It's not such a hot idea. Have you got any smack? Smack? Horse. Liquid Sky, Skag, Snow, coke, Crack, Methadone, Benzedrine, Pinky, Sandped, Morning Glory, Nutmeg, Blue Minis, Aspirin, Ados, Paracetamol, Vicks,
0: Last but not least, we have Sebastian. He's the self-aggrandizing and flamboyant stage director who constantly is trying to keep the show rolling while all the while attempting to slip in his own quote-unquote big number into the show. So, as we stated, not as all rosy behind the scenes at the Feebles Theater. Underneath this facade of a family entertainment show is a violent backstage world of depravity, criminal enterprise, and greed. Bletch is not only a producer, but he's a rising star in the underworld. His right-hand man and theater manager, Trevor the Rat, sells drugs out the back of the theater. He films pornography in the basement, and he murders anybody who gets in the way of the feebles, be they rivals in crime, the media, or performers who get out of line. It's Trevor who spikes Lucille's drink and tries to take advantage of her, leading Robert to believe that she's being careless with his feelings.
1: Robin! We have to talk! We have nothing to say to each other. I, I want to tell you what happened. I thought you were nice. I am nice! No, you're not. You're loose. And you twink, No. You're nothing but a loose lash, Lucille. And, and I never want to see you again.
0: So now I'll admit this. There's a side story that goes on throughout this entire film of how Bletch and Trevor are trying to make this big drug deal and they're first making it with this Scottish punk warthog. Yeah, I, I said that. Uh, oddly enough, it's not pertinent to the main story so I'm only focusing on the actual events around the theater. But with the big night upon the feebles and everything seemingly smoothed over, Bletch has managed to sweet-talk Heidi into performing on live television, stringing her along that they're going to be married soon after. Things quickly begin to go awry once they start the broadcast. Harry Overly made up, is stupendously ill, and as he pops out on stage to give the introduction to the show, right in the middle of talking to the crowd, he violently vomits across the stage. Winyard, sky-high thanks to Robert's donation, ends up having flashbacks in the middle of his knife-throwing act and he begins to hallucinate that he is seeing Viet Cong surrounding him, uh, and starts to believe that Robert himself is a member of the VC, and he begins hurling the knives directly at him. Robert does manage to run away, but Winyard loses a knife, having it fly straight up in the air, only to tumble end over end and come down directly into his own head, killing him on live TV, but getting a standing ovation from the crowd. In spite of all these setbacks, Bletch gets word that the show is considered a hit and that the Feebles TV Variety Hour is officially going to get picked up to being a series. Jubilant, he goes back to his office, and Heidi, getting ready to hit the stage, decides to swing by and speak to Bletch one more time before she goes on, where she yet again catches Bletch and Samantha. Instead of backpedaling, Bletch tells her, he is breaking up with her, they will not be married, and Samantha is going to be the new star of the Feebles show. Heidi is done. Heidi, understandably, is devastated and runs off crying, which makes her not available to do her big number. With no one on stage, Sebastian decides that this, this is his moment to quote-unquote Save the day, and he's gonna fill that dead air time with his big number.
2: Sodomy, you must think it very oddly that I enjoy the act
1: of sodomy. You might call it off of God on me, but if you tried it, you might agree that you enjoy the act of sodomy.
2: If you feel ashamed, it's been around for years. Thousands more than can be named are interested in real. Don't worry about hell. No harm will come to your soul. We're not all Pentecostal, but everybody's got an asshole. Let me tell you about sodomy. You must think it very odd, in me. Enjoy the act of sodomy, you might call it the farm on me, but if you try to then you might
1: agree that you will the act of sodomy, it might just improve your sex the heart, act of follow, a fact that fundamentalists find it difficult to swallow.
2: So join me as I sing of an activity that's fun, Open up Try it from to bum, 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 to toe 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 to
0: The audience reacts understandably with stunned silence, and Bletch loses the contract from the network. Telling Trevor to kill Sebastian, he sits in his theater box and stews. Backstage, Heidi has, somehow, procured an M60 machine gun, and has gone into Bletch's office to kill herself with an elaborate system of strings to pull the trigger. Samantha enters and makes a flippant comment, and that is when Heidi snaps.
2: Oh, there it is.
1: Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Don't let me stop you. I think you'll find the safety cage on oh, Eat neck, you man-stealing slut!
0: Now what happens next is a real sight to behold. Heidi is seeing red and goes on a rampage throughout the theater, shooting anyone she encounters. Friends, enemies, bystanders. The unhinged hippo wanders out onto the stage and on camera begins to fire indiscriminately into the audience. A jubilant Harry, learning that he only had the bunny pox this entire time, runs out to tell everyone the good news and is mowed down. Robert swings out across the stage and rescues Lucille from Heidi's wrath. Bletch comes out and tries to talk Heidi down and even manages to get through to her, slightly. But as she lowers her guard, he then orders Trevor, who's been standing off stage who, with a gun, to shoot her. Heidi is wounded on her arm, but Robert then swings back across the stage again and knocks Trevor down. This gives Heidi the split-second opportunity to recover and fire on both Trevor and Bletch, killing them. Heidi, mournful but fully aware that she's still on TV, asks the surviving stage manager Arthur if he could please cue up the lights for one more time, and Arthur tearfully tells her yes, and Heidi sings her hit song, Garden of Love, one last time, surrounded by the bodies of her victims before the authorities arrive. We're then given some sepia-toned, where are they now? And uh, we get to see posts from the infamous Feebles variety hour massacre. Sebastian has become a famous self-aggrandizing author. Robert and Lucille are happily married with children, and Heidi, after serving a full ten-year prison sentence, for, is being released to start a new life as a grocery store clerk under a new identity. So, so ends our tale of the Feebles. Hot damn! So where do we even start unpacking this? Well, this was a written collaboration between Jackson and his writing partner at the time who became his future wife, Fran Walsh. It was not a hit upon its release. It made its world debut in 1990 for a German film festival and while there it was labeled as being sophomoric and grotesque and silly, it was equally lauded for having a madcap sense of lunacy as well as a warped sense of humor. The film was not a hit in New Zealand. It was a commercial flop through and through, made for $750,000 and grossing only about $80,000 at the end of its run. Due to distribution rights, the film didn't see a theatrical release in the United States until 1994. And again, it was met with some critical praise, but poor box office sales. Jackson would spend the mid-90s building up a reputation of making respectable pictures, if we skip 1992's Dead Alive and all of its gory zombie viscera. By 1994, Heavenly Creatures was garnering critical and commercial success, as did 1996's The Frighteners, an excellent film. The latter allowed New Line Cinema to overlook Jackson's tumultuous, quote unquote, younger days and paved the way for green lighting that small art house film that went on to, you know, be Lord of the Rings. He graciously thanked the Academy when he accepted his Best Director Oscar for Return to the King for having the decency to overlook both bad taste and meet the feebles when they were considering him for the award. So is there a legacy here? Well, puppetry for adults has always been a hard sell, but in the same vein, it's been around forever. As a niche genre, it has seen its share of success, well, that is at least on the small screen. For example, the UK show Spitting Image ran for years using grotesque caricature puppets of celebrities to do various sketches. Comedy Central had a long-standing run of positive reviews and just all-around chuckles with the show Prank Yankers, which used puppets to great effect to act out prank phone calls. Sci-Fi ran Farscape, which featured full puppet characters. And stories that were aimed at mature audiences. MTV's Wonder Shows, with its Sesame Street on Molly lewdness, was a critical and commercial success as well. Hell, even some people liked Greg the Bunny as a straight up cult favorite in the early aughts, and you were dealing with people talking to a talking rabbit. But, when this same concept, puppets, for adults, is attempted to be transitioned to the big screen, it just doesn't seem to pack the same punch. Removing 2004's Team America World Police, that being an entire film done Thunderbird style, with marionettes as the exception If we want to use uh, last year's critical and commercial failure with the Henson-backed Happy Time Murders, if that's any indication, people don't like mixing puppetry and whimsy with hard adult themes, which just illustrates how much of a niche genre this really is. In the case of the Feebles here, I would argue there needs to be at least some acknowledgement of the brilliance to be had with Wynyard. He's the heroin-addicted knife-thrower, and a hilarious example of parody. With the aping of Christopher Lloyd's burnout-talking style, and the entire backstory that parodies the Deer Hunter, the Frogs of War section is pure gold. If you only catch that section of the film on YouTube, trust me, it is truly something to behold, if nothing else for its surreal strangeness. Like so many things in life, the version we screened here of Meet the Feebles at the LSCE is now an out-of-print, region-free copy that was acquired back in 2004 by yours truly. An actual new copy can be found currently on Amazon for the steep, price of $17.93, and hey, if you're a Peter Jackson fan, or you just really like weird puppet humor, this is going to be something that you will not want to miss. It's right up your alley, it parks on your street, it roots through your garbage, it hits you where you live. Now, I will say, the entire film can be viewed for free right now on YouTube, but I must stress, we here at the LSCE like to impart to folks the importance of buying physical media. I don't get anything to tell you or recommend to you that you purchase something, but we just feel it's important that we continue to support these film distributors so that they will release physical copies of the films and allow the future releases of wonderful content for us all to enjoy. And seriously, at this point, how can you go wrong? You want to see some dirty puppets? This is your opportunity. Hmm? So that's going to wrap things up here on this episode of I Saw It on Linden Street. Thank you for joining us. If you like us, again, please follow us on Facebook at the Linden Street Cinema Experience and recommend us to friends. We're also on Instagram at L-S-C-E underscore podcast. Or you can follow us on Twitter at L-S-C-E-P. Please follow us or subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice. If you're an Apple user, we would greatly appreciate a five-star and a review. If you want to get in touch with us, make a comment, ask a question, send us wonderful things, please email us at Experience at gmail.com. Or send us an audio message by way of Anchor, a free and easy app to use. So until next time, take care out there. And remember, life's too short not to live in the past. Take it easy, everybody.